I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. Sir, I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. He's who we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. If you ever wonder why I do what I do, look into the possum-like predator pedophile eyes of Thomas John Bodner. Bodner didn't really have a very long conversation with me during that particular investigation, but because of what I've found out about him since then, it's important that we examine the case of Bodner as the next predator I've caught. We go back now to our investigation in Riverside County, California. As you may recall from our previous episode on Walter Babs, who also surfaced in that investigation, 51 men showed up to a house in Riverside County to have sex with a 12 or 13-year-old boy or girl. It is phenomenally interesting and disturbing to look back and realize that at least four of those men who were prosecuted in that investigation had previous criminal histories involving sexual assault of a child. And while the thought of a teacher like Walter Babs doing something like this was a shock, some of the men were registered sex offenders. One of them called himself Pavlov1234 online. He'll be the topic of a future investigation, but today it is Casper N909, the screen name of Thomas Bodner. Bodner as Casper N909 showed up in a chat room, communicating with a decoy posing as a boy named Luke, struggling with his sexual identity. He flattered the boy. Cute guys like you are supposed to be loved and cuddled and talked to and stuff. Luke said he liked to wear his sister's clothes and got this response. Oh, well, one day I'll take you shopping. We'll buy the stuff and you will come over here and dress up and then we can make love while you are dressed like, well, that way, okay? And then late one night in January 2006, at our home in Riverside County, California, where we had set up for another predator investigation. Coming right towards you. 
Casper in 909 poked his nose through our patio door and asked, where are you? And then as soon as he saw me, How you doing? Wait, whoa, whoa. He's running. He bolted. Out the back patio door and around the house and down the driveway. He was tackled by Riverside County Sheriff's deputies and he didn't go down easy. Bleeding from his forehead, ultimately he would have a broken nose and a broken arm. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to talk to Bodner after he showed up at our house, but detectives sure did. Bodner refused to tell a detective about his criminal past, even though he knew he'd eventually be found out. What'd you do uh, your time for? What were you charged with? My brother, I'm saying right I'll find out. I've just I, know. I know you were charged. I know you were arrested up in Oregon. Yeah. And that's why you're 290 registered for molesting a child up there. We didn't focus on it too much at the time because, well, it was just so busy. As I mentioned, 51 men came to that house in Riverside, California, and many of them were confronted by me before being arrested. We had a teacher, an actor, a man who worked for Homeland Security, men from all walks of life, and then Thomas Bodner. Bodner, it would turn out, had a very lengthy criminal history involving sexual contact, rape, sexual assault of children. And it went back 20 years before he surfaced in Riverside County, California. Through criminal records, we learned that he had pleaded guilty to sexually assaulting three children, all from the same family. And this part is so, so awfully disturbing. A woman in Oregon had gone to the Big Brothers Club in Salem, Oregon, and wanted to get her three kids involved in a mentoring program because their father was not involved in their lives. And lo and behold, Thomas Bodner was assigned to this family. And systematically, over a period of several months, he worked his way through the three children. One of them actually talked to us, Desiree Holcomb. She was nine at the time. He got my brother Ed the worst. He's mentally challenged. So I, I think that he had the, the worst of the sexual abuse. And um, I was in the middle, and then my brother, my youngest brother, was got the, the less of the sexual abuse. It was a devastation to all of us. We still suffer from what he's did to us. You ask yourself, how can this happen? How many more innocent children... I mean, they're losing their innocence because of him. Bonner started chatting with a decoy who went by the name Luke on Christmas Day, 2005, and the chats continued. Bonner sent Luke three photographs. One of the photographs was a close-up of a penis. Another was a photograph of a man's bare chest. And the third was a photograph of Bodner from the shoulders up. The decoy sent Bodner a picture of a young boy that he had received from another perverted justice administrator. Perverted justice, obviously, the online watchdog group with which we worked in these early investigations. Bodner and Luke continued to communicate online that first evening, approximately an hour. Luke asked Bodner, is that your cock? Bodner suggested that Luke wanted to be his man. And Luke said that he did not just want sex, but wanted a real boyfriend. 
partner said, I know, me too. Someone to talk to and go out with. For sex, to cuddle, hang out with. I want all that. When Bodner asked if Luke had a cellular telephone, Luke replied that he was not allowed to have one. Bodner sent Luke his telephone number and told him that he could call because it was not a long-distance number. During one telephone conversation, Bodner asked Luke if he could get out of the house the following Friday. In response, Luke said that Bodner should come over to Luke's house because, well, his dad and his girlfriend are going to go to Vegas. Bodner made sure that Luke would be alone in the house when he came over. During another online chat session, Bodner asked whether he could see Luke that day. Luke replied that he could not see Bodner until the following weekend. That's when our investigation was to take place. Bodner indicated that he wanted Luke to call him and said, when we meet, we're going to have some good fun, okay? And you know what I mean about fun, right? Luke responded, fuck, sucks. To which Bodner responded, yeah, okay then. Bodner asked Luke at one point, so have you ever been fucked before? Later, Bodner said, so you're going to let me be your first to fuck you? When Luke responded, you want to fuck me, Bodner said, yeah, let me. It was January 6, 2006. Luke called Bodner and he immediately asked whether everyone was gone from Luke's house. Luke replied, yeah, and asked Bodner if he wanted to come over. Luke told Bodner to use the side gate and to come around the back of the house. Bodner and Luke continued to talk on the telephone as Bodner drove to the sting house. When Bodner arrived at the house, he entered the backyard through the side gate, as Luke had instructed him to. A few minutes later, Bodner ran out of the house after he was confronted by me. In his possession, Bodner had a camera, a vibrator, and a container of KY lubricant. During the interrogation, Bodner acknowledged that he had gone to meet a boy as opposed to a girl, but maintained that the person had never told Bodner how old he was. How old did he say he was? Never really did. Sure he did. You know why I know? Because I got all the logs, all the chat logs. Bodner was actually on the sex offender registry list when he showed up at our home in Riverside County. But the cases that led him there tell the story of a man who just can't help himself. One of those cases where perhaps somebody should be locked up forever. And I'm often asked, can these guys be cured? And I always answer that, well, I think there are three categories of predators. The hardcore offenders who'd be doing this with or without the internet. The fellows who act on their impulses because of the access, the anonymity, and the ability to contact underage kids on the internet. And then the group in between, the younger guys who are socially inept and they will find somebody who's too young but think, well, it'll be okay because at some point if it works out, that person will be old enough and it'll be legit. Bodner definitely comes in the heavy hitter category, and here's why. We found out that 20 years before he surfaced in the Riverside County, California investigation, he had been a volunteer in Salem, Oregon for Big Brothers Group, and he had been mentoring kids. And we found out through court records and from the police up in Salem, Oregon, that he had been arrested for sexually assaulting three children from the same family. The children were young. One of them was only nine years old at the time. 
Desiree Holcomb. She agreed to talk to us on the record about the case, and she talks about how her mother had gone to the boys' club in Salem to find a mentor to help her raise the three kids. The kid's father was apparently not in the scene. He was great. He was wonderful. You would trust him. You, I mean, anybody would. He used to just, like, go above and beyond the call of duty as far as a big brother figure. I mean, he was just supposedly this great guy. Systematically, Desiree and the police detective who investigated the case say that Bodner worked his way through the family. And listen to what Desiree says happened when Bodner would come into her room late at night. I would wake up out of a dead sleep to him French kissing me and touching my privates. Desiree's brother was mentally challenged and probably suffered the most. According to detectives, he would be lured into Bodner's office at the boys' club and sexually assaulted there. This is back in 1985. The mother found out, and she was outraged, as you can imagine. And she went to police. Bodner was prosecuted. He pleaded guilty and got 10 years in prison up in Oregon. Clearly, prison didn't work for Thomas Bodner because within a few years of getting out of prison in Oregon, he was in trouble again in Palm Springs, California. In the Palm Springs case, the victim testified that he was 15 years old when he met Bodner through a telephone chat line. He told Bodner that he was 15, made it very clear, said that Bodner drove him to a hotel in Palm Springs, but that he did not remember whether anything physical had happened between them in the hotel room. But afterwards, he said Bodner took him to his house, Bodner's house, where Bodner touched him on his genitals and began to orally copulate the victim. He felt uncomfortable, he told police, so he told Bodner to stop, and he went into the bathroom. Police were called, and they arrived at the house and arrested Bodner. Again, Bodner pleaded guilty, this time to lewd and lascivious behavior with a minor. He went back to prison. Strike two. We don't know exactly what or what Bodner didn't do between the time of his Palm Springs prison sentence and when he showed up at our house in Riverside, California in 2006. But we do know that he surfaced on perverted justice's radar prior to him servicing in our case in 2006. In 2003, he was caught by perverted justice texting another underage boy. In August 2003, a perverted justice decoy posing as a 13-year-old boy was hit upon by none other than Thomas Bodner. At the time, Bodner was working as a sales manager for a Dodge Chrysler dealership in Palm Springs. Listen to what he says to this boy, or who he thinks is a boy. In this case, he's not Casper N909, he's Casper 420TJ. Sup? Raven Boy, that's the decoy, says, bored you. Same, so where you live? Says St. Louis. Palm Springs, California, says Bodner. Do you have picks to trade? Do you like older guys? You get my picks? They send them back and forth. Then it goes on. 
it gets more sexually explicit. Now, these chats were actually posted by Perverted Justice on the website. At the time, Perverted Justice would just put the chats up and identify the person when they solicited somebody who was underage and broke the law. It wasn't until we started to partner with them that we had to put them on television. And of course, in many cases, Perverted Justice, their investigations would lead to arrests and they did once we started partnering with law enforcement as well. So now, this is the picture of Thomas Bodner. He sexually assaults three children in the same family in 1985, goes to prison for 10 years. He does it again with a 15-year-old boy in Palm Springs, goes back to prison. He chats in 2003 with a perverted justice decoy who says he's 13. And now he's busted in our investigation in 2006. So when you talk about someone who just won't learn a lesson, That is Thomas Bodner. And talk about a danger to the community. But all along, you know, Bodner lived in denial. It wasn't his fault. He didn't know that the person on the other end of the chat was underage. On and on and on. All kinds of mitigating circumstances. And he would appeal all these cases on virtually every level. He became somewhat of a jailhouse lawyer. Ultimately, he was convicted in the Riverside case in our investigation in 2006 and sentenced to 15 years in prison. Now, that would mean that he would be getting out right about now. But do you think Thomas Bodner would just serve his time, get treatment, try to get better? No. Wait till you hear the next chapter. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. While he was serving his time in the Riverside County conviction, Thomas Bodner actually took Riverside County to court, claiming in a lawsuit that he had spent three years locked in the county jail there in a cell with gurgling toilet water that splashed coin-sized bits of sewage on the cell floor. This is according to the account in the Desert Sun, a newspaper in Palm Springs where he was arrested in the earlier case. The jail conditions, Bodner argued, amounted to cruel and unusual punishment, a violation of his constitutional rights. Here's a guy who's been convicted of or pleaded guilty to trying to molest at least five kids. And now he's got the gall to take the county to court because the toilet's not working in his jail cell? As ridiculously litigious as it sounds, drew close to trial, the county actually caved in and Bodner was paid $25,000 in a settlement. That was around 2014. So you might think it's an anomaly that the case is over, fine, through a goofy quirk in the law and the court system, Bodner got $25,000 and put it in his prison account or whatever he did with it. Paid his lawyers, maybe, we don't know. But it appeared it was over. But then, 49 other prisoners filed copycat lawsuits over Riverside County jail toilets, each citing Bodner's case as precedent as to why they should get a payout of their own. Every suit makes the same claim. The Riverside and Murrieta jails, which is essentially that if an inmate flushes the toilet in one of the cells, the toilets in the neighboring cells will splatter or overflow, spilling spillage into the floor. 
The county argued that Bodner was secretly responsible for all the lawsuits, in essence, ghostwriting the suits on behalf of the other inmates, then taking a cut of any settlements that would occur. We don't know exactly how much Bodner made from this, but it wasn't his last tangle with the legal system. He continued to appeal both his sentence, the probation after his sentence, and it led him to where he is today. Bodner should have been getting out of prison right about now. From his sentence, he served for the Riverside Sting. But as much as it would seem that Bodner got away with not being properly punished for so many years and allowed to reoffend and re-victimize, it appears now the California justice system has caught up to Thomas Bodner, and it doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. Bodner has been molesting children, sexually assaulting them, or in prison since he was 22 years old, maybe even earlier. Now he's 58, still fighting to get out of prison. He did get out of prison, but he's not free. As Bodner was coming to the end of his prison sentence, he was referred by the Secretary of the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to board of prison terms to be screened based on whether he had committed a sexually violent predatory offense. Now, to you and me, that seems pretty obvious, but there is a procedure in California. And if you're deemed a sexually violent predator, you can be locked up in what is essentially a state mental hospital for as long as doctors with the Department of Corrections and at that mental hospital deem you a danger to society. Thankfully, thus far, that has been the case with Thomas Bodner. At least two doctors classified Bodner as a very violent sexual predator and someone who would reoffend once again. One of the doctors testified that, in fact, there were other victims up in Oregon but the plaintiff wasn't charged or the cases were dismissed. And that these uncharged or dismissed offenses also showed Bodner's likelihood to reoffend. In fact, the doctors even determined, as if we needed to know this officially, that Bodner suffered from the pedophilic disorder defined in Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, part of which is defined by Bodner having continual and uncontrollable urges. Over a period of at least six months, recurrent, intense, sexually arousing fantasies, sexual urges or behavior involving sexual activity with a prepubescent child or children. Bodner fought this, arguing that he was 42 in 2006 when he was arrested in our case, and 54, 55 years old when the doctors did the evaluation and claimed that that length of time was significant enough to change a person, to make them better, to learn how to deal with these urges. The court wasn't buying it. And not only did Bodner argue that he shouldn't be institutionalized after his sentence was complete, he claimed that the state owed him for now and hopefully for a long time to come if not forever bodner is being held at the 
Hospital, the Department of State Hospitals in Coalinga, California. The Department of State Hospitals in Coalinga is located at the edge of the coastal mountain range of the western side of Fresno County, halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco. It was opened in 2005 and began treating forensically committed patients, most of which are sexually violent predators. Can you imagine walking through there, what that would be like? I guess they're probably not fans of my show there. It is a secure facility, not unlike a minimum security prison. Patients with all kinds of different mental health disorders are treated there, but the vast majority of the patients there are there because they are violent sexual predators. Those are individuals who are convicted based upon a defined set of standards who complete their prison sentences and are evaluated by, you know, the Department of Mental Health, the people involved in the correction system, and are determined to meet the standards of being sexually violent predators. There has to be a probable cause hearing. It can be appealed, just like Bodner appealed his case. But as of right now, he's going to stay put. He does receive treatment. He's one of about a thousand patients in that hospital setting who's there for the same reason. The goal, apparently, of that particular facility is to offer a treatment program for the individual to actually one day acquire, as they say, pro-social skills to prevent reoccurrence of sexual offending. The program combines components of the self-regulation better life models with the principles of risk-need responsitivity. I'm not a therapist, but I've looked into the eyes of 400 or so of these guys over the course of 17 years. And even though I just got a brief look into the eyes of Thomas Bodner, this podcast and the research that went into it gave me a good look at what this man is capable of doing. And remember what Desiree Holcomb said, Remember the impact on her, all three kids in her family. He preyed upon these kids. He knew they were vulnerable. He knew the boy in Palm Springs was vulnerable. He thought the 13-year-old who he chatted with in 2003 was vulnerable. And he sure thought the 13-year-old he was chatting with in 2006 would be easy prey for his sexual desires. I do believe in rehabilitation even with everything I've seen, but not in the case of Thomas Bodner, this predator I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen.